You're listening to the Ricky Long Podcast. Because it's a great case study because there's so many instructors slash personal trainers who have a very similar issue. Um, and I've seen it countless times over the last two years with businesses I've worked with. So hopefully I'll be able to provide a lot of value here. Yes. Understanding what you can control and what you can change is very important information on the front end before you put any strategies in place. Mm-hmm. And if the 15 to 20 classes per week 70% intensity, et cetera, you know, two or three in a row, seven days a week. If that's out of your control, then at least we have a variable here that, that can't change. There's, there's nothing you can do about that. You know, in a case where that was in your control, it'd be the first thing you'd look at. But when it's not, you don't. So you just leave it there and you control and focus on the things that are. So that comes down to your energy and time. Your energy, and they kind of tie into one another with the, the training, the slight increase in body fat, how fit they actually feel, et cetera, is because you have to think about, you know, you know this, Ricky, what you put in is what you get out, like quality in, quality out. In terms of food, nutrients, what you're eating, what you're consuming, how you're recovering, that's going to determine your output. Breaking down 15 to 20 classes per week and into, say, seven days a week, like it's a lot of work, but it's in a kind of a, a time window. And you're going to get run down to a degree if you're doing that and that intensity is tra- is changing regularly. But because it's a constant seven days a week at 70 plus intensity, that's even diff- difficult. But your body has a basic adapt- adaptation principle. Like if you're doing the same workouts, similar intensity levels over and over again, that doesn't become an issue with the energy because your body has the natural adaptation principle to it. So it's looking at your overall recovery. So your sleep and your nutrition being number one. So focusing on what you need to recover from an energy standpoint. So I would look at sleep and nutrition probably synonymously because I think you could put them one or two interchangeably because they're both so important. Another episode of the Ricky Long Podcast. By the way, we're up to like nearly 60,000 downloads which just blows my mind, which people have listened to my voice inside your ears, inside your head, like 60,000 times. Um, like I know some other you know, podcasters, podcasters would have many more downloads than that, but 60,000 to me is about 59,999 more than I thought I would get. And I'm just talking about me downloading it myself on, on my own phone. Today's guest is Brian Keane. Brian is a massive inspiration uh, and motivator of mine um, to the point where he is one of the few people where I have listened to his audiobooks and then bought the physical copy. Um, Brian is based in the west coast of Ireland in a lovely town city. We're not quite sure. We did speak about it in the podcast randomly enough. A uh, lovely town city called Galway where most people go for stag and Hindus and just general shenanigans and Brian lives there really 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 nice part of the world if you ever do get the chance to visit please please do now listen in this podcast we we did something slightly different um Brian himself is a fitness entrepreneur and he has his own podcast uh he's, he's an author of I want to say four books and what he does loads and loads of is his own podcast and he's a guest on many many other podcasts and what I was keen to do for this one was take it in a different direction first of all from what you're used to listening to as a listener and secondly from what he's used to doing just so as everything's fresh interesting what we did we spent the first 20-30 minutes just getting to know Brian introducing Brian to you and the second part of the podcast is a little bit of a case study 
what I positioned to him was a standard Les Mills instructor. Uh, their workload, their frustrations, their challenges. Um, you can read that in the show notes. I'm going to do copy-paste of it in there. And later on in the podcast, I'm going to read it out. Um, so I won't bore you with those details right now. But it's basically what the challenges of the 15 to 20 class Les Mills instructor are and what his solutions would be if he was the coach of this Les Mills instructor. Um, and I kind of stepped into that role of the Les Mills instructor 50, 20 classes a week and kind of clarified and gave him context on a few things. It was really, really interesting to hear his thoughts on it. And I know, I hope you will get a lot of value from listening to it uh, yourself. Also, we recorded this via Skype, which was new to me. Um, I'm not really used to using Skype. Normally I use Zoom. Uh, we did this through Skype. Just because of internet connections, um, Skype is a better platform for that uh, from Zoom. And it, you know, especially where Brian lives in Galway, the internet connection, that's why he uses Skype. Having said all that, at times during this podcast, the internet connection drops in and out. There's a little edit round about the middle of the podcast where we lost about two minutes of chat. And I think after that as well, so I'm, I'm going to come in at that point of the podcast and just talk to you about it. Um, and then after that, the connection does just drop in and out where we both sound like really, really Irish chipmunks, which is kind of funny in itself. Um, I'm, I might actually make that part of, you know, like the social media highlight reel because, like I said, it was quite fun. Uh, but anyway, this episode, uh, listen, I know you're going to ha- get loads and loads of value, so I'm going to shut up. I'm going to tell you about the sponsors and the plugs and then get out of here. The Group Fitness Instructor Business Podcast, Lindsay and I have been doing now for eight episodes. Please go and give it a listen. Our most recent episode is all about email marketing, how to do it and why to do it. Secondly, Putting for Sport, long-term sponsors of the podcast. Putting for Sport, Northern Ireland Sports Retailers of the Year. And by the way, Putting for Sport are now open again. They're actually open because the laws and the lockdown rules are slightly different in Northern Ireland to the rest of the UK. Their shop is open. You can walk into their shop and talk to people and see people and buy things. The world is coming back. So check out Putting for Sport. Make sure you mention the Ricky Long podcast. Bodycore Training are a fitness training provider, which again, sponsor the Ricky Long podcast. And right now they're doing loads and loads of distance learning courses, including a level two and level three fitness instructor stroke PT course you can get a 10% discount on those level twos and level threes just by mentioning the Ricky Long podcast. Now that won't apply to any bundles that you might uh, choose to do, like do on top of that. If you're just doing the one-off course, you can uh, get a 10% discount. All you need to do is quote me and there's a link in the show notes on how you can get the ball rolling. So basically how you would get the ball rolling, it's not like you're committing to buy. Um, You would fill out the inquiry form and then you would get a call with one of their team and you can just have that conversation about what your needs are. Uh, the, the reason why I like working with Bodycore is they'll have that conversation with you, with all their students before a you know a sale is made because they want to make sure their course is right for the person and that person is right for their course. Uh, so yeah, definitely check that out and make sure you quote uh, the Ricky Long podcast. Uh, there's also other courses as well that I so would suggest you go and look at their website itself. Um, they do they do so many things. It's just that real level two, level three that I want to push to you. You know, especially if you're a group fitness instructor and you're using this time to reevaluate your whole business and you're 
maybe concerned about how many classes are going to be available once you get back and how that might affect your income. So looking at something like personal training might be a, sorry, I'm, I'm telling you this right now, will be a great way to bridge that gap because people will still need their fitness fix. But if there's not as many group fitness classes available, PT, one-to-one -one training, it complies with what the suspected social media guidelines are going to be. So it will be an excellent way where you can look after your business. Oh, what's next? The Patreon. Uh, Patreon continues to grow. If you're in the Patreon, you get a couple of bonuses, including a coaching call every month, a group coaching call uh, that's going well. So you can check out the notes. And the Patreon is just a way for you to support the podcast and help me put out episodes and get guests. Uh, you know, getting getting guests on like, you know, Brian Kane um, is a real, real good landmark moment of the podcast. You know, he's a big fitness entrepreneur. Um, and that happens because of the support I get from the existing listeners and the Patreon itself. So please go and check that out. You can be a supporter of the Recommend Podcast for literally like £4 a month. £4 a month. £4, two letters for a pound. You can be a supporter of the Patreon for just four quid. You can also go a little bit higher than that. Um, I'll let you read those details when you get a chance. The Jump Hub continues to be absolutely immense we've changed the timetable a little bit we've put on earlier classes at 7am on a wednesday and friday and we've also changed the friday one from a core workout which i think was really really successful at the beginning we've now changed that into a strength workout so it's a little bit more hardcore and interesting and we're getting people out running actual running straight after the strength workout please do check out the the hub free trial still available for the month of june anyway that is me done, and I'm just going to push you straight over to the podcast. So me and Brian, check out the little bonus I have for you at the end of the podcast. If you're a fitness business owner, you want to listen to that unedited, uncut stuff. You're listening to the Ricky Long Podcast, where international fitness entrepreneur Ricky Long answers your questions and interviews fitness leaders on training, nutrition, and mindset. Ricky is a fitness industry expert, having been helping people achieve their fitness goals since 2002. We talk everything fitness, business, and group exercise to help you on your fitness journey. Hopefully a different feel for you in this podcast. Um, you know, I've sent you through the notes and all, so I'm happy just to kick it off now, if you are. Yeah, let's do it, man, yeah. First of all, welcoming to the podcast. It is number 133. It doesn't even matter what number it is, because what does matter is the guest I have on today. It is Brian King. Ricky, I'm dying to chat. Officially, we've been talking for ages now, but I'm looking forward to officially diving into the podcast. Mate, thanks so much for having me on. Man, I'm, yeah, I'm so excited to get you on. And, you know, it's going to be a completely different feel for people listening to us, I've already said. But before we do that, you know, standard podcast introduction. Who is Brian Kane? Describe yourself. So very short synopsis is a former primary school teacher. Worked in the UK for four years working as a teacher. Two of those years, I worked as a personal trainer at nighttime. Um, in 2014, I moved back to Ireland to work full-time as a one-to-one -one personal trainer. Um, in 2014, I started competing in fitness modeling, bodybuilding shows, became 
went pro in that. So travel around the world, you get paid for shows. That's the only kind of difference between amateurs and pros. And built an online personal training business, moved online in 2016, 2015, kind of end of 2015, early 2016. And over the last four years or so, I've transitioned out. So I run a full online business, either working with people in semi-scaled programs and fitness or working with business coaches, personal trainers, people that are working with other clients and have written a couple of best-selling books. The Fitness Mindset was my first book, Rewire Your Mindset, my most recent one. Um, and I've since transitioned into the world of ultra-endurance. So now I run ultra-marathons, I do Ironman triathlon, I do lots of different physical challenges, such as I've done Marathon de Saab, which is six back-to-back marathons in the Sahara. Uh, last year, I ran 230 kilometers through the Arctic. In February this year, I ran a 100-mile ultramarathon. And yeah, and now I'm just sitting here chatting to you, and we're going to have the crack for the next while. <laughs> Absolutely. I've heard you yeah, give similar introductions, you know, describing yourself and all that, you know, when you do other podcasts. So what's the thing that people listen to in that synopsis and pick out? What is it they want to talk about? Oh, it depends on the podcast. <laughs> like I, in generally more general population podcast, it's always the, you were a primary school teacher and yeah. you transitioned into what you do now. Um, if it's ever a fitness or health podcast, it's always you ran through where um, because of the <laughs> Sahara and the Arctic. Um, and it tends to be those ones in particular. If I'm ever doing anything business related, people are always interested how I went from one to one into like a purely online space, um, kind of a semi scaled business model that does a lot of multiple revenue streams with passive income streams, etc. So it always depends on the podcast, but it's always one of those three things that tends to jump out on people when I tell them my story. Yeah, uh, you, you've, you've inspired me to do many things. Um, I've consumed your content for a while and I, I first came across you you did an interview on Ben Coomber's podcast. I want to say it was, it was probably late 2017, early 2018. And I think you had just, from memory, it's a while since I listened to it, obviously. I think from memory, you had just made the decision, I'm not going back to bodybuilding. Yeah. And fast forward two, three years, which isn't a long time, and you're doing all this crazy shit of ultra endurances, Ironmans, Marathon de Sables, which for people don't know, is like 24 marathons in six days. <laughs> Exaggeration. It's yeah. back to back, but uh, 24 sounds great. I'm like, well, let's, let's add that to the list. That might be something to do in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, you've kind of been all these different athletes. You've had these, you know, different careers. You've been the standard safe job as a teacher, which is, you know, the, the least secure job you can have when you consider it safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so what it, and what I've looked at now, correct me if I'm wrong, is you you seem to have like three different audiences. So you kind of talk to the GAA player, yeah. you talk to I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, the twenty year old you, yeah, um, and then obviously the personal trainer. Yeah. So I yeah, sorry, go on with that. No. You're you're 100 spot on with that. I, I was, was going to say that I, I, I expand. Yeah. So I I speak to one of the things that I do with my business more so I'm in a very fortunate position I think that the the term that's been coined is like lifestyle entrepreneur where I basically work and live my life and I document it online and a lot of the things that I help people with are areas of my life that I've gone through myself 
So for example, the fitness. So I've got like closer to kind of four silos in my business over the last three years, uh, over the last few years, the three, but I've kind of expanded into the mindset side as well because of the book and uh, some of the seminars and talking that I do, et cetera. But I've got the fitness space, the GEA. So GEA, Gaelic and like football, football hurling is like the national sport in Ireland. It's what I played for years. And so I talked to a lot of those players because that's my sport. That's when I was doing my strength and conditioning, my sports nutrition, it was all geared towards working with those athletes because that was the sport I played. And then in the last two years, I've transitioned into working more with personal trainers, people in business, more so now people looking to move online because that's kind of the space where I can kind of serve the best. And there's a there's a little bit of a blue ocean when it comes to moving online and blue ocean in the sense that there's not as many other trainers doing it because it's quite a difficult process. And not only do I have my own past experience to draw from, I've got, you know, 150 or 200 businesses I've worked with over the last couple of years who I've helped. So it allows me to kind of really dial in on that message and how to move online. And then the mindset space is just because everything is underground underlining in your mindset, how you think your fitness, your business, your sport, whatever you play, it's all mindset, so it's interconnected. But I talk about all four because they're all four things I would do for free. And I make a lot of my decisions on what I do in my business. Would I do this thing for free? And one of the examples I give, so I have three podcasts. One is my flagship, the Brian Keane podcast, you know, three million plus downloads. It's one of my flagship parts of my business. Then I've got my GA Lean Body podcast, which is 100% for GA players. And then I've got my online business podcast, which is for personal trainers, health and fitness businesses, etc. And that's been growing very steadily over the last few months. And the, I, one of the things I talk about in that business podcast is it's not a great business model to split over four silos and to talk about lots of different things in order mm -hmm. to maximize the most revenue you pick one message and you hammer that message and you build all your funnels you build all your business your online your social media your marketing everything is to that one message whereas i can't work that way because i would get really bored and one of the reasons i'm able to put out so much content is because it's stuff i love talking about fitness which is a massive part of my life health and fitness ga which is again my passion sport even though i'm a big premier league guy as well um the business side i would talk business all day to people mm -hmm. the marketing the psychology of selling um, and the mindset side of things why are you so fucked up or why am i so fucked up in the head and what do i need to dive into in order to fix my shit like stuff i would talk about and i do talk about on my channels so that's how i run my business and that's why it's split from the outside for someone that's listening to this podcast who's never heard of me it can sound like you're doing a lot of different things but really it's all just one core thing and mm -hmm. just kind of extensions of me in each of those four topics for example yeah that's cool love that you know like just what you said there right at the end about you know if, if you're fucked up we'll talk about fixing shit <laughs> let's let's talk about rewire your mindset that is your latest book um i've just finished the audio version and i've got to be honest with you it's one of the few books which i've listened to that i've then had to purchase so I'm waiting on the paper back version arriving because um, there was loads of things. You know when you're listening to something and you're like, oh, I need to write that down, but you don't quite write it down. Whereas if you got the book, you get the highlighter and all that. But it's a really, yeah. really good book. Um, what's you know what's the reception been like? What are you most proud of? Um, what are the highlights for you since its launch? I want to say in was it February at launch? Uh, it, the paperback, the pre-sale went in December, so kind of New okay. Year. It was like 
out properly. Um, so firstly, massive thank you for that. That's amazing feedback. Um, and I know when someone says, because I do the same thing as you, if I get an audio book that I love, I always order the physical book as well um, for the exact same reason. So when I hear somebody say that, I'm like, I'm like, yes, I love it, Ricky. I'm the, same. <laughs> um, uh, the feedback's been incredible. Like it's, you can probably tell from listening to that book, some of the places I had to go in order to write it. And I said, when I finished that book, before it ever got released, that if no one buys this book, but my mum and my sister, I'm like, it would have been worth writing because of all the shit that I had to process in order to kind of get to an end result. Because I use a lot of my own stories, a lot of my own issues. The book digs in. It, it gets a bit raw in places where people are like, oh, fuck. I'm going to have to start looking at my life now because he's pointing out a few things here that are potentially a bit close to the bone. But because I've lived it and I'm telling my stories, it makes it more palatable as opposed to a book that's like, do this, do that. I'm like, here's what I did. Here was the consequence of the fuck up. Try not to make this mistake. And the feedback has been incredible from people. Like it's, it's, it's a very specific book on who it's for. It's very much down. And I tell, I'm a big believer, Ricky, and you know this from my podcast and from my content, that not everybody should read every book. And I think that my books are exactly the same. I'm like, if you're somebody that isn't at the point where you think life is in your control or you are completely closed off to that idea, I wouldn't read the book. I'm like, it's, it's not going to be helpful for you at all because you, you will have, and I know people, because when I'm writing books, I always write to one person. I'm always thinking of one person in my head. For this case, it was a combination between a younger me and my daughter. If, if anything ever happened to me, I wanted a message to be able to pass on to her. And when I was writing, I was like, who's this book not for? Because equally in the writing process, it makes it very, and I don't want to spend too much time on that, but it makes it equally important to know who you're not writing it for. And I have people that I know in my network who are oblivious to the fact that, you know, they're the people that are like, it's Trump's fault. You know, it's <laughs> Boris Johnson's fault. And I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, they, they, they came around and did that to you, did they? Yeah. Like, oh, you get what I mean? I'm like, I don't though. I'm like, I don't. I'm like, I disagree. <laughs> but <laughs> a, those people, I'm like, you're not writing a personal development book for those people. But you are, I'm writing it to people who know they need to make a change and they know it's up to them to do it. They just don't know how. And so that's why I think the feedback has been so good because the people who are gradually navigating themselves to that book are the people who need it right now. And I think when they take the action steps on it and start to reap some of the benefits from it, I think that's why the feedback has been so good. Um, you know, and I'd be the first one to be like, feedback's been fucking terrible. Like, unfortunately, I'm probably like, my publisher would kill me, but like, I am, I'm like too honest at times, but the feedback has been incredible on it. Um, but I, 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 to be honest, I kind of knew it would be because when I was writing it and rereading it and internalizing a lot of the ideas that I had already kind of thought about myself and just brought them more from a surface level and went deeper with them, I was like, this is helping me. So if it's helping me, it's going to help other people. Mm -hmm. um, and that seems to have been the feedback so far. I love that. And like I said, I'm looking forward to getting the paperback and take proper notes. But, you know, confession, I have plagiarized a sentence from your book because <laughs> I was listening to it and, you know, well, I love to say that I was doing something really, really productive with my time, but it wasn't. I was sitting enjoying a little bit of sun. Scotland doesn't get that much sun. So <laughs> I was really, really enjoying it. And it was a sentence and it was, time is going to pass anyway, so you may as well do it. Yeah. And I just I sat and listened to that. And, you know, you have all these analogies, you know, we're all in lockdown right now. And it's like, well, what are you going to do via lockdown? You know, are you going to learn a new language? You're going to learn how to handstand walk? 
no, it might take too long. Well, time's going to pass anyway, so you may as well do something. It was just that sentence, and it's just so basic. It's, you know, you said it's for the 20-year-old you, but that is that is a child sentence, isn't it? And it just hit me, and I'm like, yeah, time's going to pass anyway. So we've got to, you know, you, you do got to make the most of it, you know, what your goals are. And I, th- I think it might have been in the, the compound effect section, which I really, really liked. You know, the act of doing one thing every day you'll be 365 things better off, mm. you know, by the end of the year. And it's just, you know, really, really, when I say simple concepts, um, you know, you, you've got to be in a journey to get there. So I'm I'm curious when you were writing the book and you were bringing all these thoughts back to yourself, you know, maybe that 24-year-old, 24-year-old you, was it emotional? You said it was raw at times. How, how did it go, the actual creative process? So again writing and again this is a whole separate podcast because writing is a very for me anyway i can't speak to everybody else but for me it's a difficult process full stop because you're always trying to figure out where you can say one thing or say a sentence but you've used three sentences to say the same message it's like how can you refine that and make it better but when it came to when it came to the writing and digging in deep to it it was not pulling back from the things that were uncomfortable. So the the feedback that I used was, do I want to go here? And there was times when, and there was times when I'm like, I don't, but I'm like, my language at the time was, fuck it, no one will see it. Like, if I don't want to publish it, I don't have to. And what generally happened when I would get it out on paper and I'd refine it, I'm like, I kind of felt it's going to sound, I'm going to sound like such a twat, but I felt like, when I had refined it, I'm like, I have a duty to people now to put this out. I'm like, you've, you've, you've got your, the part that you didn't want to talk about. You know, I talk about some of the stories with my mom, with my daughter that I'm like, they're parts you don't want other people to know. I'm like, but they're probably the things that are going to hit people the hardest because mm-hmm. you're, you're being authentic with them and you're being real with them. So I think that helped. Um, but yeah, digging into it, like, it's just, it's one of those things and I think podcast does something similar. Like one of the reasons that I was able to dig into some of those topics in the book was because when I'm recording, say solo podcasts, like some of my most popular downloads of all time, like uh, jump to mind at, at dealing with mental health. I think it's one seven two, which was a podcast. It was the only podcast I've ever published Ricky that I'm like, Oh, I'm not comfortable publishing this one. I'm like, I'm really, really not. I'm like, that was one of those that I had to like um, publish it and just step back. And be like, right, fuck it, it's out there now. And that's still one of my most downloaded episodes of all time. And I had a, I'm not sure if you listened to the episode with Alistair Hart. Alistair Hart was on and he was telling me about a story of a girl that he was working with at the time. And she, this is a fucking, this is, I'm taking the podcast in a completely different direction, but I will say this in, in just Brilliant. about take, taking a fucking side note or a sadness note. But he sent a girl who he was working with at the time who had set up all her life because she was going to kill herself. She was like, I'm done, I'm going to kill myself. And he goes, he didn't know this at the time, obviously. Um, but he sent her the podcast on dealing with mental health. And she said that was the thing that just took her out. She was like, sometimes you just need a shift. Your podcast? Like, My podcast. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay, yeah. He sent her, because she was like, look, I'm going through a really bad time. He didn't decode it, but she didn't tell him this till after. She was like, look, I was setting up my affairs. I was driving down to the river. I was going in the net. And he just by chance sent her that episode because it had helped him so much. And me and Alistair are friends and have since became really good friends. And she was like, that was the thing. It just knocked me out of my funk. And I remember thinking when he told me that one, I was speechless at the time because I, I hadn't heard the story. He told me live on the podcast. I'm like, fuck, I don't even know what to say. 
But I remember thinking from that point onwards, I'm like, you, I can never hold anything back again. I'm like, because if that's all that podcast does, it was worth putting out there. I'm like, and when I'm writing, when I'm creating content, and again, I don't want to take it in a completely different direction that we're talking about now, because I know this isn't what we're covering. But I think everyone has a smaller version of that, that if you have something in your head that could potentially help people, whether that's business advice, calorie deficit advice, anxiety advice, depression advice, it's relative. You have a duty to put it out there for people. And I think the only difference is the scale and the level because different people have different things to offer, but everybody has something to offer somebody else. So, like, I'm glad we went down that rabbit hole. I've written down Alistair Hart. I'm going to listen to that episode just, you know, to get real context. I'll put it in the show notes for people as well, just so as, you know, they can either get something from it or, you know, get context around the subjects. Um, we're, we will move on to your case study just in, in a second. You, yeah, I'm like, said. I'm like so sorry, Ricky. I'm like, we're going to do a case study. I'm like, here you go, talking about all this fucking stuff. <laughs> I'm like, Brian, you're such a fucking dick. Quiet. <laughs> Man, listen, the listeners are well used to tangents and uh, off the cuff. I always say to people, I probably sent it in an email to you. I prefer podcasts and I like the listening style. I want it to be more Graham Norton than Piers Morgan. So yeah. as it's a conversation and not a an investigation <laughs> that's not what I've, been on I've been on the investigations too i'm like right i'm like cup of coffee i'm like right i'm ready I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's make it really casual then what is your coffee if somebody was buying you a coffee what do you want it to be oh I'm, uh, I, for someone that loves their coffee i'm a very simple person now i i'm an americano guy i don't go too crazy with what i have but i have an espresso machine in my house and i've got like um can't remember where they're from, but they're organic Nespresso pods from Italy. Jesus, they're like fucking sex in your mouth. They're just incredible. Like I'm so hooked on them right now. Um, but yeah, I'm a I'm a coffee fan. Like I'm a I'm a big coffee drinker. But I, I'm not one of those that can tell the difference between different coffees. I just okay. know from taste. I'm like I like that or I don't like that. But right now I'm all over my Nespresso Nespresso pods. I'm like I don't think I could live without that now. <laughs> so we listeners podcast have heard this. We are we are that cheap couple who would normally buy the espresso pods from like Tesco's or Aldi or Little or something. And at the start of lockdown, because the coffee shops all closed, we're like, you know what? Let's buy proper Nespresso coffee pods. Holy shit. Yeah. Like night and day. And a friend of mine, and I really, really appreciate this, literally just dropped off Costa to my house about 20 minutes before this. And I'm sitting drinking this and like, man, Nespresso is nicer. Yeah. Yep. That's what happened. <laughs> it ruins you. <laughs> yeah. It ruins you. It ruins you for all the other coffees. I'm like, anytime I go out to like Cafe Nero or Costa or Starbucks, I'm like, nah. No, it's not the same. I'm like, I just, I'm hooked on my Nespresso. But that's the thing. Like, you get accustomed to the good life. It's like the, you know, the three-ply toilet paper. I'm like, once you go one way, you can't go back. I'm like, that's it, you know? And there is the title of the podcast. <laughs> uh, right. I've, I've heard you talk about this uh, on, you know, your podcast and your audiobooks. And, you know, it's talking about, you know, the Arctic Rum, the Sahara, the Ultramarathon. And it's you know, the 100-mile marathon. I think you did it in Vegas, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah in February, yeah. And, you, you know, I do. I've just started down the world of endurance events. And I, you often get the question, why? And, you know, it's what, what made you want to do that? So when you get asked that, what is your response? I have two responses because two of them are really honest in, in the sense that the more people I talk to, and we have a little bit of... um. 
um, the false consensus bias that we think because we think a certain way that everyone else thinks that way. And the more endurance athletes I talk to, I'm like, oh, we all do it for different reasons. So one for me is I have to have a goal. Um, like I'm very vocal on my podcast about how much I hate running. Like, you know, as someone that runs 100 mile ultra marathons, but I get so much benefit in terms of my mindset, my self-discipline, my mental toughness from doing it because my entire life feels so much easier when I've done a run. So I anchor, I talk about this in Rewire Your Mindset, I talk about this on the podcast all the time, that like two things I do every day that I anchor my day in is getting up early, I get up every morning at 5 a.m. and I run. And I hate both of those things. Like I'm a night owl by nature and I hate running. I love training, I love weights, I love CrossFit, I love bodybuilding work, I love strength and conditioning workouts, but I hate running. But what getting up early and running does and combining both of those things, it makes everything in my life feel significantly easier. Um, so when I have a work task, if I'm feeling a bit anxious about something, like if I've got whatever going on, it just doesn't feel that difficult because my day has been anchored in two things that I really didn't want to do. So one of my mentors used to always tell me that successful people do what they have to do, whether they feel like it or not. And I've tried to ingrain that philosophy into everything that I do in my life and that's kind of like my small brick by bit brick approach of how do I condition myself to do things I know I should do, even though I don't want to do them. So I just get up every morning early and I run every day. And as a result, kind of transitioning into the world of ultra endurance, I found a little bit of self-awareness that I won't get up and run unless I'm training for something. Like I won't, I don't enjoy it enough. So I have to have a goal I'm working towards like so for example during lockdown I didn't run I started back now again because I was training for Ironman in June that got cancelled um I'm like all right cool I'm not gonna run now I'm like one it's not really a high priority I'm like mm, the mental toughness is great to have but the world's on lockdown there's other things I need to focus on in terms of my uh, you know business family etc and I shifted and now when things are looking like they're going to open up again, I'm like, all right, cool. I need to start back running, kind of sharpen that sword again and then kind of gradually build up so that it's not a complete shock to my system when mm-hmm. I go from, you know, running zero kilometers a week to running a hundred kilometers a week or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like my, the two reasons that I do it. One that I need a goal I'm working to, towards and two, it makes everything in my life feel significantly easier. Like the Sahara, for example, Ricky, like you come back from the Sahara and, you know, it's self-sufficient. You're running six back-to-back marathons. You've all your food on your back. You know, you've got a, a snake pump within, a venom pump within arm's reach at all times in case you get bitten by a snake. Like, there's a lot of survival shit going down that you're like, this is difficult and this is uncomfortable. So then when somebody calls me a twat on Instagram, I'm like, well, that's not really a problem. I'm like, there's a big difference between real problems and perceived problems. I'm like, real problem, you get bitten by a snake and your leg falls off. I'm like, perceived problem, someone called you a dick on Instagram. So uh, without that perspective, and you don't have to go into an extreme environment to get that. But for me, I did get it. And I've been continually getting it in different avenues with different challenges that I've done. Hence why I keep going back and doing different ones. Mm -hmm. I remember the story you told on your podcast. I think it was after the Sahara, where you know you'd got back from the Sahara and you found out somebody had done the Marathon of Samos and got lost for like forty days. That was before. Oh, fuck me, Ricky. Like back in um, 
back when I, I'll never forget this day because this was one of, uh, back in 2017. So for the context, I signed up for Marathon de Saab in August, 2017. So for a little bit of background, I'd never ran. I'd never ran a marathon at that point, And I signed up for six back to back in the Sahara. And it was, you know, six months later, eight months later. So in April, 2018, I ran it and I did it. But I remember at the time, I, I was using a lot of Snapchat. So I had quite a big Snapchat at the time. You know, all my snaps to get 20, 25, 30, 40,000 views every snap. And I remember when I went to Google Marathon de Saab distance, I went Marathon de Saab D and death came up before distance. So I was like, oh, shit. So I clicked that and it brought me into that story about the guy that got lost on the Marathon de Saab, crossed into, I think, Algeria, got picked up by some, like, minor terrorist group, like, and then, like, had to suck on black bat blood to, um, for hydration, and eventually got picked up and survived. But I remember uh, the, the, the that story, I remember thinking, oh, my God, what the fuck have I just signed up for? I'm like, I was like, this is nuts. Um, So, yeah, that brought it up. So he didn't die. I don't think he died. Now that I'm thinking back, I'm like, I don't think he died. But he, he tried to so morbid he tried to slit his wrists and he couldn't because he was so dehydrated so oh, was, yeah, you know uh, it's just it's mental like it just sounds incredible like incredibly insane um so yeah when i was out there i'm like right don't get lost i'm like that's for <laughs> one um so but they have now they've got the gps you know it's a really well-run event so there's a gps now so even if you get caught like a sandstorm is is mental like a sandstorm is like you can't see you know mm -hmm. two inches in front of your face so what they tell you to do now if a sandstorm comes is just stay put you know yeah. don't move because you'll go way off course so even if it's a 40 minute sandstorm thankfully it didn't happen during the race it happened at nighttime at one stage but um they just tell you to stay put so that you don't go off track but even even if you did there's there's gps's now so you'd be safe enough um but yeah that that's literally that was my story in the lead up to it um i remember thinking that that was one of those moments where i was like genuinely questioning it um and then i like put it out of my back i was like ignorance is bliss put it at the back of your head and just don't think about it did it anyway. Sure, sure. Could do with a couple of extra days, a little bit of a holiday, just in case. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You gotta put a, put a positive spin on everything. I could talk to you all day about endurance stuff, and that's mainly for my own personal interests and you know, kind of the the path I'm embarking down. Um, but I do, oh, you know, move on to this little case study. I wanted to be just a little bit different. I know you do a lot of your own podcasts. You'll be on a lot of other people's podcasts. Um, so for anyone listening, the case study we're going to chat about, it is in the show notes. Um, I sent it to you previous. I don't know if you have it in front of you there. Uh, if you I want me to know. read it out for you. Yeah, go for it. I have yeah. it here in front of me. Yeah. So it's a, my my audience is a Les Mills instructor. Um, so a Les Mills instructor will teach between 15, 20 classes a week, around 70% intensity. They'll often do two, three classes in a row, teach seven days a week. They'll suffer with constant tiredness, fatigue aches and pains they will not train in the gym due to the class volume um, and they need to teach all these classes as it's their only source of income sleep patterns will be also be affected due to some early mornings late nights and they will also have a 10 year old child they have to do school runs um, and reasonably supportive partner wife husband who works a typical nine to five outside the fitness industry this instructor is frustrated at the lack of energy and time frustrated at how fit they actually feel and frustrated with their body shape due to how it looks compared to the volume of classes and training they're doing. 
Afraid to give up classes due to dropping money? How would you go about helping this instructor? Go. <laughs> so I'll break them down point by point because yeah. there's a lot to unpack here. And it's yeah. weird because it's a great case study because there's so many instructors slash personal trainers who have a very similar issue. Um, mm -hmm. And I've seen it countless times over the last two years with businesses I've worked with. So hopefully I'll be able to provide a lot of value here. Yeah. So and if, you, of if you need me to fill in any gaps here for you, that's fine. And, you know, just, just to give you context, this is, this is the audience listening to this podcast. You know, they are primarily that Les Mills instructor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you want me to pull anything out of that, just, just go for it and I'll, I'll make things up on the spot. So <laughs> being frustrated with the lack of energy and time, they're kind of two different approaches. So obviously the lack of energy is, just to give context, does this Les Mills instructor have any control on how they potentially lay out their week or are they forced into this structure by, you know, whoever's over above them or above them in the hierarchy? Um, more or less forced because it's very much supply and demand. When a class comes up, you say yes and you don't think about the logical stuff that you would if it was somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> so... Right. Straight away, having that piece of information is helpful because there's certain things, understanding what you can control and what you can change is very important information on the front end before you put any strategies in place. Mm -hmm. And if the 15 to 20 classes per week, 70% intensity, et cetera, you know, two or three in a row, seven days a week, if that's out of your control, then at least we have a variable here that, that can't change. There's, there's nothing you can do about that. You know, in a case where that was in your control, it'd be the first thing you'd look at. But when it's not, you don't. So you just leave it there and you control and focus on the things that are. So that comes down to your energy and time. Your energy, and they kind of tie into one another with the, the training, the slight increase in body fat, how fit they actually feel, et cetera, is because you have to think about you know, you know this, Ricky, what you put in is what you get out, like quality in, quality out in terms of food, nutrients, what you're eating, what you're consuming, how you're recovering, that's going to determine your output. Breaking down 15 to 20 classes per week and into, say, seven days a week, like it's a lot of work, but it's in a kind of a, a time window. And you're going to get run down to a degree if you're doing that and that intensity is is changing regularly. But because it's a constant seven days a week at 70 plus intensity, that's even diff difficult. But your body has a basic adapt adaptation principle. Like if you're doing the same workouts, similar intensity levels over and over again, that doesn't become an issue with the energy because your body has the natural adaptation principle to it. So it's looking at your overall recovery. So your sleep, and your nutrition be number one. So focusing on what you need to recover from an energy standpoint. So I would look at sleep and nutrition probably synonymously because I think you could put them one or two interchangeably because they're both so important. So looking at the um, quality of sleep. So working some mornings, some early mornings, some mornings where your structure is all over the place. This happens a lot with night shift workers as well where mm -hmm. their circadian rhythm is completely disrupted because of the night day cycle being all over the place. And what I would do here is focusing on either high quality sleep or what is a, a popular principle. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Nick Little Hale's book on sleep. His, um, oh, you've, yeah, you've, yeah, you've got it here. Like, <laughs> that's one of my go-to resources for somebody who's not in full control of their um, time sleeping window. So I 
people that are on night shift work, people who do early morning sometimes, but not always, look at your overall amount of 90-minute rim cycles that you're getting. So that's the whole principle of that book. And that can do really well and it can be a really effective way to get the recovery aspect of sleep, even though you're not getting the traditional eight hours every night. It means that some nights you're getting six hours, other nights you're getting nine hours, another night you might be getting 10 hours, etc. Like it, it changes. Or you might be doing naps during the day. And if you're someone that's like, well, I don't know how to nap. I'm like, well, maybe you learn how to nap. I'm like, you didn't learn. You didn't know how to drive once upon a time either. And you learned like a nap is a skill. It's a, it's a tool that you can use. I'm not saying everybody should do it, but it's a useful tool to have in your arsenal if you if you have an ability to take a 30 minute or a 90 minute nap during the day if you have a window that permits that so i would look at your sleep first and foremost implement a couple of strategies maybe read nick little hale's book and try adopting some of those strategies from that book the food side then really looking at what's fueling your body so i'm a big believer in nutrient-dense food so giving your body everything it needs not necessarily taking anything out you know like Keto diets, high-carb diets, I'm, I'm a fan of moderation on most food groups and not eliminating any, but again, there's different things that work for different people, so it's always about experimenting what works best. But when it comes to looking at your overall nutrition, make sure that you are fueling your body because if your body shape isn't looking as good as the way you want and you're feeling frustrated with that and you are frustrated with how fit you actually feel, that's normally a nutritional thing because if you're doing 15 to 20 classes per week at that intensity level, you're not going to be unfit for the most part, even though you might feel unfit. And there's a difference. Feeling yeah. unfit and being unfit are two different things. Being unfit is what you'll see with um, you know, the average overweight person. They're actually unfit. They go up a flight of stairs and they're out of breath. Whereas a, a fitness person, for, you know, I'm using inverted commas here, it, the only reason they feel unfit is because their bar is moved because of comparing themselves to other people or their bar is moved because of comparing themselves to what, where they were when they felt most physically fit. And that largely comes down to a nutritional thing because your normal baseline fitness is going to be hit at 15 to 20 classes per week. Like you're going to, you're not going to get unfit by doing that, but you still might feel tired and you might have low energy, but that's not to be confused with being unfit and realizing that they're two different things. So look at your nutrition. Start focusing on nutrient-dense foods, you know, complete protein sources, complex carbohydrates, um, high-quality fats. Whatever order you want to put them in, hit your minimum protein requirements. That's going to be down to the individual and what works best for each person. But I would put an equal emphasis on both of those things, so the sleep and the nutrition to fuel their body. And again, we can go into specifics if you want on that. And I'll just touch on the last one, and then we can go whatever direction you like. Um, and afraid to give up classes due to the drop in money. I you, I'm a big believer, and you know this, Ricky, of choosing your suffering. I'm like, you either choose your suffering of adapting your life to work this current schedule, and you make your personal health a requirement or a priority in terms of your recovery and your nutrition, and you keep doing what you're doing, or you choose your suffering of dropping the money and you do something else that is potentially in the fitness industry, potentially not totally up to the individual, more likely yes, that is in more control of your time. Like one of the, I always think of the um, uh, running your own business is a little bit like Alice in Wonderland. Like, you know, it's once you're in Wonderland, like there's no coming out, you know, it's the Pandora's box, mm -hmm. the box is fucking open. And 
I would never go back working for somebody else now, ever. Like, there's no money in the world you could give me to go back working for somebody else because when you see the other side of having your own control of your day, your own control of your systems, your own control of your pricing, all these things that you don't get, say, as a little constructor, and that's not to say that, like, quit your job and do your own thing. But what happens is, once upon a time, I had to choose my suffering of not having a regular paycheck for something that seemed more insecure. And when I made that transition and made that jump and realized that the harder I worked and the smarter I worked with some of my systems in terms of business, it was actually way more secure than a job where someone was over me in the hierarchy and could fire me anytime. And once I made that mindset shift, it allowed me to kind of reap the benefits of everything that you have from your own online business. So it's a case of neither is right or wrong, but you have to choose your suffering and choose to work with your current situation. So you eat, you can't have your cake into two in this circumstance. For this case study, you can't not make any changes and expect, you know, you can't make not make any changes and expect things to change. Like it's, it's as straightforward and as simple as that. If you keep doing what you're doing, you'll keep getting what you got. So if you want to keep your money and do the structure of the 15, 20 classes, seven days a week, you have to change the recovery and the nutrition in your sleep in order to facilitate new energy levels so that you don't feel as run down, you don't feel as unfit, you don't, you're not frustrated with your body shape. Or you flip that and you go and do your own thing where you are in control of your day and you take the short-term hit of potentially having less money where you are going to be in potentially full control of having more energy, being able to sleep and set your routine, being able to work with your own people and your own time on certain days, but you won't be able to do what you're doing now and expect a different results. Like definition of an insanity, do this, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. You have to change something in order to get a different result. So we can go in whatever direction you like with that. Um, but they're just kind of some off the kind of cuff, top of mind thoughts that I have on it. It was great, mainly because a lot of the things you said there, um, I would say as well, and perhaps my audience have already heard it from me. So it's, it's kind of like you backed me up on that, which is really, really good. <laughs> Got you covered, Rick. Like, <laughs> say this. Yeah. <laughs> Something that I do come up with, and I'll, I'll tell you my thoughts on it, and you can, you know, add to it um, or pull it apart if you want, is it's one of the things a lot this instructor would um, have as their challenge. So they're teaching the 15, 20 classes a week and with their nutrition. So they assume they are, let, let's say it's a, a female in this case, they are still basing their nutrition around 2,000 calories a day because that's what a normal average person who trains three times a week would eat and i'm like no no you you are doing the same level of activity as a full-time athlete so you need to be putting the same amount of fuel in so potentially you need to double that especially in your busier days um and then the question that leads on from that is what foods should you eat you know what what are those nutritional dense foods that you know you would talk about so when i think of nutrient dense foods there's a couple of principles, like and I'll, I will give examples of foods, but I am a personal subscriber of like the grandmother rule. Like if your grandmother didn't recognize it as food, minimize the amount of it you have in your diet. Um, I, think that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that covers a wide, like straight away, it eliminates a lot of food where you're like, right, that's probably not that good for you. Um, another principle that I have is if it's not advertised on TV, it's probably not that good for you. Like, you know, you generally don't see ads for broccoli on TV. It's normally for 
um, foods that aren't as good. So combining those two principles can be helpful just as a uh, primary filtering process for what you should be including in your diet. When it comes to actual food choices, then, um, like, as I said, I'm a fan of single dose ingredients, um, complex carbs, sweet potatoes, potatoes, rice, quinoa, etc. cetera, uh, complete protein sources, assuming you're not vegan, uh, chicken, turkey, poultry, fish, uh, red meat, etc. Complete protein sources, meaning that it's got all the essential amino acids. You don't actually have to do any food combinations to get all your essential amino acids, which you might have to do if you were on, say, a vegan plan. Um, and then healthy fats, um, you know, coconut oil, olive oil, um, oily fish, um, uh, nuts, nut butter, seeds, all of these foods, and then fruit and vegetables. Like, they're just the king, you know, particularly vegetables, green leafy veg as much as possible. Fruits, especially with someone with this activity level, like fruit can be an amazing food source for someone training this level. Like, I think it's one of the most underrated foods for either athletes or fitness instructors because it's weird. It, it, fruit got this really weird stigma in the fitness industry where it's like, oh, yeah. it's sugar. And I'm like, I'm like, yes, it is. I, and I agree. And I get the context needed. But some fitness people are massively afraid of fruit. Where, it's a, yeah, it, it's yeah. a weird... Ooh, apple, ooh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, 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 that's it. It's just like running away, running out of the kitchen. Um, but people are, like, they won't eat it because of the sugars, the carbs, etc. whatever it is. Whereas someone with this activity level is going to soak up those carbs. They're going to soak up the sugars. There's going to be some nutrients and vitamins and minerals in those foods. Um, even like generally I tell people to stay away from like the high glycemic ones, but an instructor with this amount of intensity is probably going to get away with those high glycemic carbs as well. And it's just going to replenish them. Um, so I would base the majority. And again, context is key. If you're somebody that loves chocolate, factor it into your plan. Just don't eat seven Snickers a day. Like, you know, have a Mars bar if you want to factor it into your calories, you know, um, just keep 80% of your diet with nutrient-dense foods as much as possible and then have that leeway for the 20% and that could potentially work really well for the majority of people. And then moving on to, to training. So the, the nature of Les Mills classes, most people listening will totally know this, is they're, they're cardio-based or strength. Oh, yeah, I know them. Yeah, back in my day. I was a fitness instructor back in the day. I know. I was there. Um, I've, I've got to ask you, what, what is your, like, did you ever do a Les Mills class? Did you ever teach them? Like, I know you've seen them before and all I've, that. I've seen them. I've never been in them, but I've been in gyms where there was Les Mills instructors and there was courses being ran. I've never done them myself, but I'm familiar with them from, from the outside as an outside observer. Um, yeah, they're great. They're, they're, they're great fitness classes. Um, not in this situation. It's a fucking lot of work. <laughs> but, <laughs> people going to the classes. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, this analogy that I'm using, it, it's, it's quite standard. Um, I just want to kind of come on to training because of the nature of these classes, they're, you know, endurance, strength endurance. What emphasis would you put on traditional strength in the gym in terms of a training plan? It's goal dependent, really. Um, what I would generally do, and I remember even when I used to work as an instructor, and I did a lot more circuits and spin, um, but I would always do very counteractive training measures to what I was doing in classes. So that meant that my a standard workout for me when I was a fitness instructor, uh, before I was a fitness instructor, when I was a teacher, was um, going to the gym, lifting weights for 20, 30 minutes, then doing some form of CrossFit or high-intensity circuit for 20, 30 minutes, and then my workout will be done in an hour. And when I went into instructing, it's not dissimilar to this layout, 
I took away all that cardio and hit. And I'm like, right, I don't need to do that. I'm getting that from the classes. So I would do um, complementary work. So heavier weights, a lot of compound lifts with, you know, mm-hmm. five, six, eight reps if I was working hypertrophy. So I would do that um, uh, complementary work. But equally, it may not be, and that depends on the goal of the person, because if somebody's like, look, I'm really tight, I'm not feeling, um, you know, super strong, I'm like, well, maybe you need Pilates or yoga, like maybe you need some form of corrective program that's actually going to be supportive to you. Obviously, if you want to get stronger or you want to build muscle and you're not losing all your muscle with the classes, you do hypertrophy or you do strength work with weights. Um, so it is goal dependent. But what I wouldn't do is I wouldn't flog the dead horse of endurance. Like I wouldn't do endurance classes 15, 20 times a week and then go and do an endurance workout um, <laughs> or go do a circuit workout. And people do. I get it because, you know, if, if you're a Les Mills instructor, you probably like those styles of workouts. So it's very easy for those to creep into your mm-hmm gym routine when they're probably not the thing you need and um, also from a body compositional standpoint you're going to get a better response by mixing and matching the training protocols um so that's worth keeping in mind as well mm. I, i'd like i'm just i'm so happy you have you have basically validated everything i've posted on social media <laughs> regarding les mills training for the past two or three years and it's really um it's really one of the messages i get across to the les mills instructor is if you're doing a lot of endurance training, you need a base level of strength. So completely in agreement, what you just said is when you're on the gym floor, let's do five by five squats and then go home. Don't do five by five squats and then some crazy interval Metcon because <laughs> you can use your class for that. You know, you can you, you can get a hybrid of your class. Your class can be for the members in front of you. And it can also be the conditioning side of your workout. And it can also pay you, obviously, as well. So it's you got to you got to use what you have to the best of your ability. Yeah, I love that. That's great yeah. advice. Yeah, nailed yeah. it. Uh, you might have seen me writing down something um, here. It was just when you said that you used to teach spin. Yeah. So I'm curious to what your playlist was like, and is there any videos on social media that would rip your ego to shreds? Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, there's, there's plenty of stuff on, on social media that'll rip my ego to shreds. There's there's no shortage of that content online, um, just not in the class capacity. Um, no, I wouldn't think so. I, I did a handful of spin. It wasn't what I'd have been known for. Um, I did a handful of it and my playlist was pretty bad. Um, it, it, it was very 2012, like 2012 poppy. Like you'd hear it in a club, but it was always the remixed versions of the songs. Um, you know, I, like I think that, like and I can't listen to uh, um, what's the song? Uh, I, I give everything tonight. I can't listen to that and not think of my freaking spin classes. <laughs> um, ruined the song forever. Um, uh-huh. But uh, yeah, I have a few of them that pop up and they'll come up every once in a while on my Spotify. I'm like, oh, that brings me right back to spin class. Um, so yeah, I did it for a while. I didn't love it. It wasn't. I, I love teaching circuit classes. I wasn't a huge fan of spin, um, and I only did it for a handful of times because. When I was in gyms, it was, you know, requirement part of your, when you were working with the gym. Um, but when I went out on my own, I cut it completely because it wasn't something I loved. Yeah. Well, I'm just curious, was this London or when you were back in London? Yeah, 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 London. I, uh, I did two years part-time. My God, like when you look at like the traditional success where it's like one step forward, two steps back, two steps forward, five steps back. Like that's how my entire 
London time of personal training was where I would go into a gym, I would try it out, I would go in, I was in Virgin Active, I was in Fitness First, I was in different gyms, um, none of them worked, like, and that's a whole other podcast going down that story and that rabbit hole, um, it wasn't until I did my own thing that I was able, and again, I'm just not a great employee, <laughs> like, if I'm being honest, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not really good at working for people, um, I'm way better as my own boss, and when I was able to recognize that and did my own thing, I was way more successful in my classes and my one-to-one now in my online because you're kind of more self-motivated because it's easy to get motivated when you're keeping the majority, you know, whatever, minus your taxes, et cetera. Like, whereas I struggled when I was working for a set pay or even on a sliding scale. Um, so I wasn't the best employee, if I'm honest. You're listening to the Ricky Long Podcast. Just jumping in at this point in the podcast, Brian and I lost connection here for about two, three minutes, um, and it was <laughs> the audio was so distorted when I was doing the edit for this. Like there was no way to take any of it and put it into the podcast. So I'm just letting you know we're about to completely jump conversation because that's pretty much what happened in the live chat. Um, so that's what happened. <laughs> such such a bad way of explaining it. Anyway, I, I'm going to leave so you can back to listening to me and Brian. You're listening to the Ricky Long Podcast. You just turned your video yeah, off. Yeah, there, it's not off the video because we kept losing the thing. Yeah, that, you know, I would do the same is you go old school with your smileys so you don't use like the 2020 emojis. You'll still do the old school ones. Um, and then just, you, you know, you went from London to Galway. And for anyone who hasn't been to Galway, you know, it's a, it's a small town, if we can call it a town. Would you call it a city? Galway officially oh, a city? It, it, it is a city because I think it has, like, a, I don't know what it is, a cathedral, whatever makes it a yeah. city. But, like, it's the smallest city ever if you're counting it as a city. And, you know, I think, you know, you, you've said it before in podcasts as well, you're far happier not being in the city. And, you know, I live in a small part of the world outside of Glasgow. I'm originally from Belfast obviously a city i've spent the time in london and you know every time i'm in london i cannot wait to get back because it's just that hustle and bustle um so how, how do you you know personally when you moved to london did you think that was it for you as in you're going to be there for 10 20 years you know, possibly stay forever no i had always planned to go for a couple of years and i planned to come back to ireland and work as a teacher that was um I had no aspirations to work in the fitness industry when I moved to London because um, I went over there. I studied in St. Mary's, did my PGC in teaching and then went working as a teacher for years. And it wasn't until I got my job as a teacher that I realized this isn't what I want to do. And then that led me down my path of, you know, fitness instructor, personal trainer, et cetera. Mm. That's just interesting. Just let them plan the asset. I just wanted to know. I've never picked that up from you. <laughs> uh, yeah. But listen, it, yeah, that, that, that was it. It was, it was never the goal. Uh, uh, what I'll do now is I'll jump into the stock questions. You know, we'll, we'll bring the podcast to an end in the next 10 minutes or so, conscious of time for everyone. Um, so, normally, the question I ask people is what would you tell your 20 year old self? But I know you asked that in your podcast as well. So, let's reframe it. What would your 20-year-old self be most proud of you for now? I would say probably the endurance events, the Sahara and the Arctic, particularly those two things, because they, they're the 
two things I've done in my life that if you told me at 20 I did them, I wouldn't have believed you. And I'm, I'm trying not to sound like a complete twat when I say this, that the other things that I've done, I feel if you told me when I was 20, because I, was, I, I, I wasn't confident as a 20-year-old, but I had enough belief that if I set my mind to things, I was good with most things. And I think I would have, if you told me I would be able to run my own business, I would have wrote a best-selling book, all these things. They would have surprised me, but I'd, I, I would have believed them, where... Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have believed the Sahara, the Arctic. I just would have been like, that didn't happen. Like, that is not true. Um, so I think they would have been the two things I would have been most proud of. That leads me to a question. What would you rather do next? Write another book or do another six days in the Sahara? I, I, I'm, I'm in the process of writing another book. And I oh. would, if, 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 I, if I found an equivalent... Sahara that well, I wouldn't do the Sahara again just because I've done it and also it's super expensive um like if somebody sponsored and I was going out there I would do it again in the morning I would do if, if I got if I was able to do Marathon to Sahara for free I would do it in the morning um and I'm in the process of writing the next book so uh yeah I'm, I'm doing both I I enjoy what I get from both I'm, I, I love the initial writing of a book and I love when it's finished there's, there's a messy middle in there that can be difficult but I do love when it's finished um, and I love the feeling that I get or the confidence that I build when I do something like a Sahara and come out the other side um, so yeah it wouldn't be an, an and or it would be I would do both I know exactly what you mean about that messy but in the middle you kind of you get started you have loads of momentum and then all of a sudden it's kind of like this is a slog, you know, you open my laptop and you just see the Word document sitting there and you're like, oh, oh if I can just write one word, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a daily struggle. Yeah, um, so the book question, normally it is, you know, what books have you read recently and what would you recommend is what what is your kind of general response when you're asked? Because I imagine someone like you will get DMs, get questions. Brian, can you recommend any books for me? How do you respond to that? So I've actually responded by what I do with all of my business. When I get asked something regularly, I find a way to automate it. Um, <laughs> so I set up on my website my top 50 book recommendations in order. Um, so just on brankyfitness.com in the book section, there's the top 50 books um, that I recommend. And they're not necessarily my top 50 favorite books in that order. They're generally the ones that I'm like, I think if I was going back to 20 years old, 25 years old, I'm like, I would read them in this order. And I think I'd probably get the most from them. So that's how I designed it that way. Um, but yeah, I get asked so regularly because I, I, you know, I read and listen to a lot of audio books. I read a lot of physical books. Um, so I get through quite a lot. So that's where I send people now. Um, for context, Sapiens is number one on there. Um, um, the, I think Letters from a Stoic is potentially number two and Lost Connections by Johan Harry might be number three. Um, and I think Schwarzenegger's Total Recall is potentially number four. I can't remember the exact order, but they're, they're all within the top five. Oh, and How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. That's definitely the top five. I'm not sure if that's the order outside. Of, oh no, Man's Search for Meaning is, um, is number two. And they're the ones that I feel I would have got the most from. So they're normally the direction that I send people to. But again, like every book, the right books will find you at the right time if you put yourself in a position to potentially read a book that will help you at this moment in time. Like, that's why I have Sapiens number one. I'm like, if you're a human being, Sapiens and a man's search for meaning will help you, where other books are more conducive to, are you ready for this message? Um, so, yeah, that's why I said Again, just a follow-on question from that is, 
if you could go back in time to your 20 year old self which book would you make your 20 year old self read how to win friends in group by the other sure yeah. I, think, I think that i find you would manage to read everybody who not say who is terrible name yeah, that's good. I'll, uh, I'll put that on my list. <laughs> um, what, what have you got going on now, which is exciting in your life that isn't, you know, book writing, fitness? Um, is there anything springs to mind? Oh, it's like short term. Um, and do not mention your TikTok videos. I do, love, I do love my TikTok. I do love TikTok. I'm all over that at the minute. Um, to be honest, if there's nothing massively in the long term because of covid the things that would normally excite me the travel events etc like they could go ahead they might not go ahead you know it's a bit of a coin flip at the minute um the things that are exciting me the most right now is i've got a little bit of a new lease of life in the business side of my business so with the the course i launched the how to move your personal training business online in one month or less and some of the kind of bonuses i've been doing with people on that that's given me a little bit of a new lease of life and it's not to say that i don't love the other things i'm doing it's just that i find when i create something new and it's still fresh and still challenging so when people are asking me questions that i may not have considered I like that because it keeps me sharp where I feel like I've answered nearly every fitness or health or GA question there is. I'm like, when you've mm-hmm. been doing it for years, you're getting the same questions just phrased in different ways where the new business course and working with personal trainers and fitness people is keeping me really excited. It's actually keeping me really motivated in my business because it's making me think bigger and making me think in different directions that I haven't hadn't considered before. So in the short term, that's probably the thing that's exciting me the most. And again, that's how I make a lot of my business decisions on what I do courses I create programs, books, etc. is what keeps me lit. I'm like, what keeps me excited? And then I just kind of stay on that path and just kind of rinse and repeat. If I'm feeling stagnant or feeling bored, I try and create something new that gets me excited. And then I just rinse and repeat over and over again. Nice. That, that, that was good. That's resonated with me big time. Uh, the lockdown question. So lockdown's about to hit again. Which three people from any time in history would you like to be locked down with? And it can't be a family member or a partner, just so as we do not offend anyone. I'm, I'm taking that off the table. Love that. Um <laughs> I, yeah, because when I saw this and you were saying, my, my general go-to are three people that are alive, and that's Schwarzenegger, The Rock, and Charlie Munger. Um, like, strong, I, like, strong. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I've gone with two ridiculously successful fitness people, bodybuilders, actors, etc., and then Charlie Munger, who's like um, a 90, I think he's 94-year-old uh-huh. investor. I love him. His book is one of my favorites. Like, his book is my number one. Um, I just don't have it on my list as number one because... I'm like, I'm aware that not everybody will get what I got from it. Um, but yeah, it's those three people. Like I idolized Schwarzenegger growing up. I absolutely love the rock now. Like he's one of the reasons I get up so early in the morning. Um, I'm like, well, if the fucking rock does it, I'm doing it. Um, and then Charlie Munger has helped me so much. I've just reread his book. It's, it's one of the books that every time I read it, I would just go back to the start and start again. And I think I've read it like seven times. Um, the Wit and Wisdom of Charlie T. Munger. So uh, yeah, it's those three for sure. Have you seen the video of The Rock, uh, well, it's Dwayne Johnson, where he's talking about how he was wrestling with, like, his quad hanging off? Oh, I love it. Yeah, the, the, to the LA Lakers. The top yeah. The LA Lakers. Yeah, it's fantastic. I know. That, you... hell, that, that was, um, when I ran through the Arctic, Ricky, I, I, as you know, I tore my Achilles 86 kilometers uh-huh. from the end, and I remembered that. I remembered 
this is a moment. I remember The Rock was like, I have a moment now, you know, where I think he tore whatever it was right off the bone. And I remember when my Achilles tore, I'm like, I have a moment now. I'm like, I, I do remember a fucking agonizing time at one stage going through this fucking forest in the Arctic. Like, I don't know what the fuck it was, forest. It was like snow trees. Um, and I just remember thinking, right, The Rock was fine. I was like, The Rock powered through. I'm like, this pain will go away. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that video because that was something that came into my mind. Weird shit comes into your mind on these endurance events. But that was something that popped into my mind when my Achilles tore. Um, but yeah, man, I finished it. I got through. But uh, I, I definitely used and and touched and used that as one of my tools in my kind of mindset toolkit when I was in the Arctic. Yeah, again, your similar story. I did a, an endurance swim last year, which, you know, it's a 10K swim. And it, it was a lap of Loch Lomond in Scotland. And round about, let's say you have to do like six laps. On lap four, I was going rounds. And, you know, one of the, you know, the, the, the canoeists come around, kayakers, and they're just, you know, making sure everyone's okay. And he tried to direct me towards the finish line because um, he thought I was coming up the finish. And I was like, oh, I have a decision to make here because I could have yeah. finished at like two and a half hours of my first ever 10K swim. And, you know, nobody would have known except for me. So you've got that decision that's to make. Fucking, that, that, that's a canoe. Oh yeah, no, nobody would have known because there was no, there's no tag on you. You know the way you would, you know, when you're doing a marathon or something, you'd have the tag. So for this, I, I, I could have got away with it. I could have, you know, set, you know, possibly a world record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's it. It's like, oh yeah, the guy did in fucking fourteen seconds. Didn't have this win. It was fantastic. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I've, I've loved having you on. It's, you know, it's been, uh, it's been a good one for me because you are. You're one of the people who inspired me to first getting into podcasting. And secondly, you are on my list of five people to have on my podcast. And I'm, I love that. Well, I am absolutely delighted to be on, Ricky. It's, it's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure chatting. Awesome. Um, and then I'll put everything in the show notes, but where can people follow you on social media, including TikTok? Uh, Oh, TikTok, yeah, definitely check out my TikTok. Uh, Brian Keen Fitness on Instagram, the Brian Keen Podcast, um, and if you just Google Brian Keen Ireland or Brian Keen Fitness, like come up on all the Google searches. Excellent, mate. Thank you so much. Hey, pleasure was all mine. I look forward to chatting again soon. You're listening to the Ricky Long Podcast. Like I said, Brian is a massive inspiration and motivation of mine. Do go and follow all of his uh, content. Absolutely fantastic packed full of value shout out to pony for sport bodycore training uh the patreon the group fitness instructor business podcast and the jump hub as promised a little bonus for you here just before we finish so brian and i were chatting for about two or three minutes before we officially started the podcast but it was all recorded and it was just a little bit of technical noise on how to get podcasts set up um, so I thought I'd keep it in about two minutes. There's loads of swearing in this. Like I said, we, we weren't planning on putting this in, but just as a bonus, I'm going to put this in for you now. So hope you enjoy, and I will see you next time on the Ricky Long Podcast. You're listening to the Ricky Long Podcast. Zoom. I had a, a podcast at 12, um, and it was Zoom. I don't know how we got mixed up, because Rita's normally really good. She won't let anybody on Zoom generally. But however <laughs> the fuck it went through, we had to go off the call, 
he had to set up Skype and then we had to record it through uh, through Skype because um, <laughs> Zoom is just a fucking nightmare for in, unless you've got like 4G to 4G, um, yeah. it, it just it just doesn't pick it up as well. The sound isn't as good. It speeds it up. The video isn't as good. Um, so yeah, so that's that's everything on that. Do you know I, I did a podcast last week with a girl who lives in Malaysia, and she called me via the anchor platform herself. Oh yeah. And the connection was immaculate. Like it was as if she was in the same room as me. Obviously you can't see visuals, so you lose that little bit of connection, but the yeah. audio was fantastic. Do um, you, uh, that on that note, do you want to prioritize the audio? Cause if we can, we can knock off the video or do you want to use the video as well? You, you'll definitely have better sound without the video, but it depends on if you're, if you're going to put the video up somewhere, we can do video. But if if the primary goal is to host on the podcast and send people to that, I, I'd say we should knock off the video because you'll definitely get better audio. Do you know what? I, I like to keep the video on um, okay. just because it, I don't know, it's just nice to talk to someone's face rather than because you get that human connection rather yeah. than you can bounce off I each totally, other. I totally agree. But just so you're aware mm -hmm. um, on Skype recording, it will it'll bring down the sound quality by about 20, 25%. So like I never do video on any of my interviews where I'm up for my podcast um, for that reason. But it's your, your episode, your podcast, it's totally up to you. Um, but just so you're aware that it will drop it by about 20, 25% because of the bandwidth of the video. Yeah, I'm learning so much from this. I'll probably keep some of this in because people listening to this might learn from that as well. Oh, shit, yeah. I fucking better back it up on my side. <laughs> let, me, let me back up the recording. There we go. <laughs> you are listening to the Ricky Long Podcast, where international fitness entrepreneur Ricky Long answers your questions and interviews fitness leaders on training, nutrition, and mindset. Be sure to leave a review on iTunes.